0: My guest today is Michael Oliver of Momentum Structural Analysis. Now, he's on my show uh, as a recommendation from Eric Sprott, who many people in the precious metals community are obviously incredibly familiar with. And today's discussion was one of my favorites because we started super high level. We talked about some major uh, political trends occurring in the United States, but really spreading around the world in terms of various expressions of civil unrest and how they relate to confidence in the currency. And from there, we drove down to the specific capital allocation strategies I shared where, I'm invest- where I've invested some cash recently, and Michael did as well. So tons of great stuff in this interview, I learned a lot. As always, if you want more from me, I publish a weekly newsletter. It comes out every Sunday, fresh to your inbox. It's free, I love writing it, it's arguably my favorite thing that I do each week, I share my key takeaways and lessons learned from conversations just like this and plenty others. Hit that link right beneath this beneath this piece of content and you'll get my weekly Sunday essay. Here is Michael Oliver. Enjoy. All right, here I am with Michael Oliver. Michael, it's an absolute honor to have you on the show. I appreciate you making the time. Thank you, Jay. Good to be here. So, roundabout way that I landed on on you is a good friend of mine back from my days in college, who coincidentally is quite tight with Eric Sprott, and it was Eric who recommended you to him, and then he recommended uh, you to me, okay. and that's how uh, that's how I stumbled onto you. And so, um, I'm looking forward to chatting with you today, and obviously. Uh, phenomenal endorsement. Uh, Someone like Eric Sprott recommends you as somebody as a must follow in this industry when it comes to commodities and precious metals and general market trends. Um, I'm excited to pick your brain today. So I want to start with uh, some of the pre-show notes that I sent over. You made a comment about secession activity and movement in the United States, pointing to areas like Eastern Oregon, looking to join Idaho um, Currency movements in Texas—they're uh, putting forward legislation regarding a gold-backed currency. What's the impact of this, and what is most significant about it, and catching your eye?
1: Um, it's it's evidence of something we pre-identified back in September of 2020. That uh, was about coincident with uh, Ray Dalio making the statement. <clears throat> or in print or made a statement somewhere to the effect that the next five years are gonna be far more dramatic than anybody anticipates. Uh, And I I think he implied negative dramatic. Um, And he also at that point in time had a sentence that was quite good that says, quit looking at the price of your stock or the value of your stock. Look at the value of the underlying money unit. (laughs) Okay, that's the reality. You know, your stock might go up 10% a year, but you're not making any money if the money supply is going, you know, et cetera. Okay. Anyway, um, we think we're in a situation historically, politically, economically, that we've never been in, in the U.S. before, in modern times. We think there's been a stock market bubble of dimensions we've never seen before. You go back and look at 1923 to 29. Uh, 1995 to the dot-com top, Uh, let's say the 2002 bear low to the 2007 peak. These were like doubles and triples in the S&P 500 and so forth. We just had a seven-fold increase in the price of the S&P from 2009 to 2021. A 16-fold increase in the NASDAQ 100. Okay. And if you look at an M2 chart, you can see just explosion. And if you look at it at the same time fed funds chart, it just went, you know, laid on the mat there, free money, free money, free money, okay. So it's easy to understand why those bubbles occurred. So it's it's somewhat logical that when they come unwound, if and to the extent there were errors made by corporations, families, investors, government spending, etc., based on the assumptions of free or cheap money, cheaper than reality, okay. And long-term commitments were made based on that. Again, could be portfolio, could be corporate planning, et cetera. And you're wrong. And it turns out, oops, we're wrong. Money didn't stay cheap. And all of a sudden, it's like ripping a bandage off of a huge sore. And I, I think that's now accomplished. The Fed has done that. They created the monster and they then punched a hole in him. And that started in 2022. We declared a major top in January of 2022, a couple of months off the high in the NASDAQ. And in February 2022, on the S&P 500, about three months off its high. Since then, we've had what we thought we'd have as an arm wrestling initial down phase, where you know it's up and down up and down, and therefore you can't quite figure out is it really down, is it hopeful et cetera. And so now everybody's very hopeful again. Well, there's certain events that people aren't looking at and then you mentioned them. And that's political chaos type events. We all know that we've quote got a divided country, okay that's been known for several years now. you know it's no longer just the Democrats, Republicans, alternating power every four to eight years, basically on the same course, government grows, taxes grow, debt grows, it doesn't matter who's in charge. But we've reached a point now where the the politics is so divided that it feels like you're in a South American country almost, okay. Well, nobody's factoring in to their market assumptions or expectations. These things, they're still talking about earnings or interest rates, the Fed policy and all that. In other words, the things you'd normally talk about if the market's at a top or or possibly transitioning in most people's minds, uh, the the normal econometric type things you'd look at, data points and so forth. They should be looking, I think, at political upheaval. And the way that could manifest itself is in, in various ways. One would be a secession in the currency markets. Meaning that like the state of Texas, there's a proposal and it's quite serious to have a uh, a crypto backed, a crypto Texas currency that's backed by gold. Okay, if they did that, in effect, that is a secession from monopoly control of the central bank of the US over what the money is here in the US, the dollar. Okay, That, that would undercut potency of the Fed, because if an alternative currency popped up, that was gold back, and you couldn't inflate or deflate it at will like they can the dollar, you can't manipulate it. You can't create policy out of it. It is what it is. Then that, in in effect, undercuts the central bank's power or the central government's power. Well, Alaska has also, I believe they've actually passed it, a, a state the legislature's passed uh, a a rule that says gold and silver are legal tender in the state of Alaska. I saw that. They're not a commodity. They're legal tender. Well, that in effect is secession as well. Now, and then there's other forms of secession that are more what we think of as secession. And that's there's a bunch of counties in Oregon, that have been for years trying to secede from the Western part of the state. These are Eastern counties. They want to join Idaho. They don't like the left wing direction of the western part of Oregon. One of the counties, as I understand it, has actually passed it recently. Has passed the acceptance of the notion we're going to secede. There's also counties, I'm surprised, in the state of Illinois, quite a few, more than a dozen, I think, that wish to secede from Illinois. So now these things, you might say, well, these are at the periphery and they're they're not going to happen. Well, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But we start to hear more and more of them. And some of them are starting to happen, getting closer to reality. And if the political division continues, which we think it will, then some of these things are going to happen. And so all of a sudden, instead of just the kind of metrics that you should be looking at, there's the political divide with in the street type ramifications. like 52 card pickup. All of your notions of what's normal are gone. You have to rethink the whole thing. And in that sort of environment, and I think that's why gold is doing what it's doing. Not just because it knows that if the bubble bursts, the central banks will have to bail it out because they have to come in and save the municipalities, the state governments that can't afford to pay their policemen and their teachers etc pension funds in jeopardy even the federal government's revenue is not what they expected this year which is no surprise given that 2022 was a non-capital gain year if you want to think about it who made money last year okay uh so all kinds of variables are happening that are political and in this party divide we have right now it's quite interesting too and i i i'm off to the side i'm not advocating either side here okay i'm a libertarian uh Trump has a solid core of the Republican party, like 35% is the number that many people come up with that will follow him anywhere. Okay, let's assume that Trump gets PO'd about the way he's being treated by all the other candidates who are spending their time not denouncing Biden, but denouncing Trump or skirting around Trump, okay? In effect, we don't need him anymore, okay? He's not going to say, oh, okay, I'm going to retire to Mar-a-Lago and, you know, just look at my portrait on the wall. He's got enough power to run as a third party candidate if he chooses to do so. And if he did that. He would destroy the Republican Party's ability to get elected in the 2024 election or to take the House or take the Senate, because he would take enough votes away from them to deny them the ability to have the power to get to get elected. which case the Democrat would win. Or it would fragment in such a way that nobody wins, where you have, he's running, a bunch of minor third party candidates are running now too. The Republicans can't have enough muster to, to get a majority vote and the Democrats neither. So you would never have anybody who got the majority vote, in which case you really have a big question mark. Anyway, all these variables are percolating off to the side and nobody's talking about them as a likely, in fact, I don't think there's any way around it, variable that's gonna impact the markets and a sense of, my gosh, where are the parameters anymore? So Okay,
0: That is is fantastic. There's a handful of threads that I wanna pull on here. So um, where do I wanna start?
1: This trend that you're discussing, whether let's,
0: Yeah. You know, I'm up in Canada, and in Canada over the last fifteen months, we've had we have provinces similar to states for my American friends. The Alberta Sovereignty Act was was passed. This and the Saskatchewan First Act. So our our two biggest commodity producers, being Alberta and Saskatchewan, put forward and passed legislation that emancipates them from the policy and decision-making of the federal government in response to federal creep on the provinces. You know, these are are oil producing provinces. We have a thing in Canada called transfer payments, where provinces that produce more than they consume actually have to share their wealth with less wealthy provinces. This wealth has come from oil. That's where the money's come from. Now that we have the money, the federal government turns around and hamstrings the oil industry. It's a big slap in the face. I get it. Anyways, my, my, my question, I guess, is like, let's look back at Texas. You know, they don't have to, to succeed in um, pushing forward a digital currency that's backed by gold. I think the message is enough. Is it not? Because the message is that we don't trust this system anymore and we need something else. Well, uh, what do you think yeah. about that?
1: Well, I think it's, if it doesn't pass, and by the way, there's a bill, I forget the exact number, but it's actually going to be on the ballot in 2024 to discuss, it doesn't say to vote for secession or not, but to discuss the issue of Texas being an independent nation. Okay. Yeah. That's actually on the ballot to call, not to, again, not to decide whether to do it or not, but to begin discussing it. Okay. So now if political events don't go the way some of these red states would like it to go. And I'm assuming they won't because I think if Trump splits the GOP, leaves the GOP, or even if he gets the nomination, there's gonna be about 20% of the party that won't vote for him. So he's almost doomed. So if the outcome becomes clear to them that there is no good outcome, then these discussions of secession, independent money unit, etc., are be- become louder and real. So yeah. they may be marginal now, but they're gonna they're gonna increase in in likelihood. So all of these things are in effect. What you described the, the provinces in Canada, those are acts of secession. They may be legal and so forth, and not you know in the street with guns or anything. But those are in effect, you know, thumbing their nose at the central government, saying we're we're brexiting from you. Okay, in this regard or that regard, maybe not totally yet. Uh, So, again, these variables uh, are in play, and they're becoming acceptable. Can I ask you a question, Michael? We
0: talked about um, Alaska. We talked about Texas. We talked about um, eastern regions in Oregon wanting to join Idaho. You mentioned certain regions in Illinois wanting to depart uh, the Democratic state. Are you seeing any similar movements? Because all of those are, just to generalize, Right wing communities wanting to align with other right wing communities um, and depart their their left wing states. Are you seeing any movements the other direction, left wing regions in Republican states wanting to join uh, Democratic states? I haven't
1: I haven't heard of any, but I would bet that if and I don't think it's even possible. But if Trump were elected president, I want you to think about. I remember the 60s because I was in college then, Okay, and I remember the street riots. And they were pretty, pretty impressive, you know, on the, in, on the in Chicago. The yeah, the night, yeah. late 60s, so forth. Yeah, um, imagine what's going to happen if Trump is elected. Okay, I'm assuming he can't be because of the, the fragmentation of the party, I, as I explained. But let's say he does get elected in as a minority candidate among the broken electorate, and it, not a majority, but you know, he's the, the, the biggest minority. Okay, and somehow he, he manages to win. Can you imagine what the left of center is going to do? Do you think they're gonna quietly sit back and say, oh, well, we'll wait another four years and vote him out. They'll be in the streets so fast. So it's in the streets almost no matter what, because <laughs> either side wins and the other side is gonna go ballistic and including some of the things we're talking about, the you know the legal steps and so forth. But there, there could be also in the street type things. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not an advocate. I'm just simply analyzing what I see. And I think what I see has been accurate. And again, we said this in late 19, uh, 2020, and sure enough, a lot of these events are unfolding and I don't think they're going to quit because I don't th- also add this to the mix. If the market rolls over and we think it will. It's primarily led by five or six stocks. Anybody with a brain realizes that if you look at the Nasdaq 100 or the S and P 500 and want to explain the last three or four months of advance, if you take out the top five stocks, you won't we won't have that advance. Yeah, because they're all you know it's fifty percent of the Nasdaq, thirty percent of the S and P, and that's what constituted the entire move. But if that rolls over again, and it's associated this time with actual pain, like dropping metrics. Unemployment suddenly gets worse. People have a sense of, oh my gosh, all my hopes that I had because of that rally are shot, I was wrong. That will be emotional. And that will add to the, the fire under the feet here. So it's it's a variable that that could accelerate these various things we're talking about. I completely agree with you. And
0: Right, the, the kindling is late, Right, maybe the it's we're down to just a bit of smoke right now, but the fire is ready to burn again. Yeah, um, and I I feel like over the last thirteen years, it's burned a bit hotter every time it's triggered, which is a little bit a little bit concerning. No, I mean, um, what happens next? Like what you know, and you know. So here's a better question: You experienced those riots in the sixties. I mean, you had to say that was potentially more volatile, right? You had the assassination of political leaders. I mean. You know, real violent riots in the streets. Like, can you contextualize this for us a little bit and compare?
1: Them I think it's now? I think it'd be worse this time. And I don't mean necessarily the violence in the streets, because back then the focus was, you know, anti-war. Okay. And uh, it, it's very interesting, too, that a lot of the people who were in the streets back then who were rebelling against the state, in effect, they not, not wanting to be drafted. And so uh, it's fine. You know, better. Uh, They've suddenly become statist since then they're the ones who endorse the big state now. Uh, yeah. And back then they were fighting the state. Well, anyway, but aside from that, I, I think it's a broader and deeper issue now. I think yeah. it literally is the nature of government is the issue. It's not whether they're having a war in Vietnam, which is a kind of, you know, if, if the war ends, okay, well, then we'll, we'll shut up. Uh, it, it's something bigger and deep seated. And I think if and when, and I do think you're going to get it, a rollover in the stock market again. I think that will be an emotional igniter that gets things hotter quickly. And so I'm looking for some markets in particular, gold, I think, and silver. If there's more upside, I think there's a lot more. We go through the highs in gold. And remember, we've stopped at 2050, 2050 in the summer of 2020. 2050 was the top $50 tick in March of last year. And a $50 tick, top tick this year was 2050. So you're, you're at a triple top trying to punch through. And we've had like four or five months of selling now and not much to show for it if you're a bear in gold. In other words, if, if you sold the top weekly close in gold, that was a price of $2,019. Well, you're up about 3.7% right now. If you sold the top monthly close, which was nineteen ninety nine ten 10 back in April, you're up 2.7%. So you're not making much money over a three or four month period. So if that selling fails, and we burst through that barrier, and I think we will, because I think it's been a benign correction. I think what comes on the other side will be more ballistic, more chaos theory. And I suspect, it'll be somewhat correlated to a rollover in in that major asset category, the stock market. And a flow of assets, again, out of that category into a safe alternative. And I think that's what gold told us last year. You Remember, 2022 close was unchanged for gold from 2021. Find me an asset category out there that wasn't down 20 or 30% last year. Stock market, muni bonds, uh, T-bonds, Uh, real estate, but gold was unchanged. And and actually, silver was up 2% on the year. (laughs) But he realizes that because it was down from its highs, but it actually had an up year. So something's being said there. And I think the fact that they now rush back to their highs, especially gold back to its highs, also says something. It's saying there's money flowing out of somewhere else and going into gold, and it's continuing. And I think what's on the other side of that is chaos theory, meaning... More ballistic move, no more incremental anymore. Interesting. In
0: in a market rollover scenario, would you expect every asset for a short term at least to be sold off, including gold as people no. fly to US dollars?
1: No, yeah. I think it's I think gold has divorced itself. I think smart money knows that. Ray Dalios of the world have already expressed that, and including some other major portfolio managers who've noticed, you know, long ago, a year ago, that gold was, hey, how come it isn't breaking down? The Fed's fighting, quote, inflation, but what's going down is the stock market. Okay. Uh, and I I argue that what we had in the late 70s is something you should look at because back then we had global stagflation, yeah, global, not just US, in the late 70s, global recession. And yet commodities exploded and gold and silver exploded even more all during those years. I think this time around, it's even going to be more so. For gold and silver, I think it's a monetary event because I know, we know, anybody with their brain should know the central banks are not gonna continue on course. They will shift. In fact, they're probably about to shift anyway, like going plateau, for example. Uh, If they see data numbers that concern them, if they see a drop in the financial sector now, which is something we're suspecting, not the banking sector, banks led, I'm talking about the general financial sector, which you look at the price chart of the XLF, for example, and look at an S&P. You don't, they're not in the same category. XLF is laying on the mat near its 2022 low. S&Ps had this rally. How come the financials are anemic? Well, I'm pretty sure the Fed will take notice. If you start seeing stocks like American Express, Visa, uh, et cetera, insurance companies start to go through the 2022 lows. Uh, They're going to get concerned and they're going to go back to what they do, what they were created for. Monetize the debt, print the money. And gold knows that. That's why it's doing what it's doing. So I think it'll benefit during this rather than suffer during a market downturn.
0: Okay, so a question for you there. So yes, gold has been bouncing off all-time highs three times, as you mentioned. The equities have not responded really at all, except for companies like Wheaton Precious Metals, all-time highs, Franco Nevada, all-time highs, the Cisco Gold Royalties, all-time highs. And what they all have in common is they're protected from the input costs. They're somewhat protected from geopolitical risks. And so I would interpret that as saying, okay, physical gold is being bought up and streaming and royalty companies are being bought up. So although gold, the gold narrative is in play, Investors are
1: still completely risk averse, but you tell me what you're seeing. Well, I think the gold miners are. We've described them as uh, you know little dogs on a leash or children. You know they're very emotional. It's like silver to some extent. Gold went into this range for the last two and a half years. You know, basically 2,050 highs, repeated lows just under 1,700, and it blew out the bottom of that range last summer and fall. When it did that, it dropped down to 1613 about three and a half percent below the bottom of that floor. So the breakout was a trap and we predefined it as a bear trap. And within months by March, we're back to their all time highs again. Okay, now we're pushing at the highs. So I, I think that's indicative of what gold knows and what it's about to do. So it's just, it's having a correction right now. And I don't think this correction is gonna lead to the downside. But as far as the miners go in silver, during that same time that gold was sort of lateral at the highs, silver had a descending parallel channel. Where it had a high at 30. And then in March of 2022, when gold went back to its high, silver didn't. It went up to like highest weekly close was 26.10, Right. right? Okay, March of last year. What did we go back up to with the recent highs? Weekly action got above 26 again, and they sold it again there. So what we're arguing is if you punch silver back up through that 26 level a third time, that's where it's going to lift off. And when gold hits 2100, now what about the miners? Yes, they're anemic. They've been far weaker than silver and and much weaker than gold, but they tend to move in slingshot manner. When gold goes up, like if you go back and look at that 2020 explosion, they beat the pants off of gold percent-wise. Yeah. But during that two and a half years of of more or less horizontal correction in gold, they declined a lot more. Yeah. We argue that when gold reasserts itself to the point where even an average price chartist could look at the chart and say, oh my gosh, I was wrong. It just broke out of to all time highs to 2100. The gold miners are going to flip and they're going to outperform gold. And that has to be watched week by week. It's something we do. And when we see that spread shift sufficiently between, let's say, GDX and gold, where it's back into an uptrend, we'll alert our subscribers. And at that point, rather than being in gold, it'll be better to be in the miners, I think, because they're vastly undervalued. We know that, historically speaking. And I think that the there's a lot of portfolio managers who don't buy bullion. You know, they have yeah. to, they buy companies, and therefore the gold miners is a very tiny little sector. And if you get a sufficient asset class shift out of, again, if the stock market rolls over and gold makes new highs at the same time, you're going to get a lot of asset managers moving into the gold miners who aren't gold bugs, you know, okay? yeah, They're just looking for a place to be. And I think that's when the miners will do what most people don't expect right now, which is accelerating the upside dramatically. Mm. So in terms of the play right now,
0: If I'll just speak, okay, I'll speak personally.
1: Um, where
0: do you think, like, where's the best entry point right now, though? Mike, would you look further up at like the barracks and the new And if you don't want to talk companies, n- no sweat. I didn't brief you on this. Yeah,
1: uh, uh, yeah. we do cover the miners, uh, uh, in a separate subscription where we focus okay. on gold silver and the miners, but what we look at among the miners is we, I don't pay any attention to the fundamentals. In fact, okay. I don't know anything about it. I'm I'm happy in that regard. We look at their technicals and especially their relative performance to gold. In other words, we plot what's called spread charts, where you plot the price of GDX, for example, the ETF of gold and some silver miners as well, in a relationship to gold. And of course, that's been a declining relative performance for the last two years. But we'll see its technical upturn in that before you see gold miners go back to their highs. We'll see an upturn. And at that point, we'll say, "Okay, now it's best to be in the miners." But I think if you had to allocate money now and you were not in the gold market at all, I think I would go unleveraged into gold, especially silver, bullion equivalents. Understand? Sprott has Sprott has uh, gold bullion and silver bullion. There's other ETFs of silver and gold. You know, maybe don't gamble. Don't don't leverage it. Don't buy calls. Although I'm heavily into calls out next year, early next year, and. Pepper that a bit with some of these miners you're talking about, and and rather than trying to be, you know really be scientific about it, maybe pick ten or twelve that you've heard good stories about that have good good background potentials, and, and you know put a bunch of them on minor positions in those miners. Uh, don't don't put a lot of heavy weighting betting on on getting rich tomorrow. Yeah. But I'm arguing if gold goes into that next phase, and I think it will, those miners are going to snap very aggressively. And a lot of these very cheap ones that you're talking about will snap even bigger on a percentage basis, you know, they go from 50 cents to $5 very quickly. Uh, and so the best way to do that, as far as I'm concerned, cause I don't know how to pick and choose them yeah. is, uh, look at their relative performance, but maybe just buy a little basket of them. And, uh, now once gold goes through 2,100 and silver goes through 26 credibly at that point, I might get a little more aggressive with the silver and gold in terms of leveraging them because that surge that should follow that could be pretty aggressive and pretty dramatic so that for several months, you might get quite a percent gain out of silver and gold themselves. And so maybe call options at that point would be a good idea. Um, Right now, I I think I would just position myself in in bullion equivalent waiting for those numbers to be triggered Uh, and and then maybe shift to a bit more aggressive but yeah, I think the miners, even though they look like dogs right now, uh, you pepper the back of your portfolio with them. Yeah,
0: mm, I like that. What are your thoughts on uh, on base metals? Other, let's start with base metals. You know, i I tend to think they're fairly undervalued. Simultaneously, my concerns about a coordinated global recession make me a bit short term bearish yeah. or more patient. What do you think?
1: Well, that that could s- slow the demand. Obviously, if you have a global. Uh, And frankly, we don't think the word recession will be used. I think depression is more likely. The bubble that we've got is the biggest in history of the United States. And if we go down into recession, the world's going into one too. We we also watch other markets, especially China. The Chinese market is not acting all that great, by the way. Uh, Shanghai Composite in particular. Uh, It wouldn't take but a a $200 drop, 200 point drop in that thing. And it's trading around 3,200 right now for us to assume it could drop pretty good. Now, it's not had a bubble like we've had. So any percent drop you're going to get out of China may may be reflective of economic downturn, which is entirely likely to be coincident with us. But their market is not a bubble. We've got a bubble. So as far as the stock market vulnerability, we have more vulnerability than they do on a percentage basis. But we're watching such metrics as that for for that information about the global rollover. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: And, um, I, I have to, I have to ask as well, just, you might've mentioned it, but just for my own clarity, you talked about some, some price triggers you're watching $2,100 gold, $26 silver, um, in terms of adding conviction to your market rollover thesis, what metrics
1: leading indicators, what leading indicators do you pay the most attention to? we are watching what we call intermediate trend on the S&P. Long-term trend, annual momentum, as far as we're concerned, turned negative in early 2022. And this rally does not offset that at all, period. So that long-term metric stays negative. But within the context of any trend in any market, you're gonna have zigzags. And we're having an upward zigzag. We're looking at monthly momentum like S&P measured against its three-month average. S&P measured against a three-week average, NASDAQ 100, etc. But we're also looking at sideline sectors within the market, which are not behaving well. They're not behaving like the S&P, and few people are talking about them. That would be the broad financial sector, for example. Or retail. Look at retail. It's laying near the 2022 lows. Uh, Utilities look pretty bad. That's a key sector for a lot of people who want income. Uh, And another sector we're looking at that is would ambush the heck out of people. And by the way, we call ambush, back in late January, we called for a bank ambush. At that point in time, the banks were looking pretty good. They were beating the S&P for sure. By mid-March, there was an ambush. Okay. We think there could be one in the healthcare sector. And this is based on technicals. I don't know anything about the fundamentals. But the annual momentum of the healthcare sector looks extremely vulnerable for something dramatic on the downside. And that happens to have been Probably the best sector in the S&P over the last couple of years in terms of not going down. Therefore, it's comfortable in that regard. But we think it is technically set for an ambush. So sometimes it's best not to look at the things that you think are vulnerable, but the things you're not even looking at that would ambush people's psychology, like the bank drop recently. People weren't expecting that. Technical said, watch out. And sure enough, they collapsed the banks. And if you look where they are now, they're nowhere near the 2022 lows. They're so far below them, it's unbelievable. So, but look for other sectors. Uh, and when those go, and these we're talking about sectors that have, you know, 15, 13, 14, 15% weighting within the S&P, like healthcare, or okay. the broad financial sector. So they're very important. Uh, I think when they go, I think that's when the drama picks up. Uh, And I also think people start buying T-bonds again. We think there could be a a counter-trend rally in T-bonds, meaning a drop in yields. Now, you'll notice over the last few months, for example, where the S&P has ratcheted higher, T-bonds have ratcheted lower, meaning yields have gone up. And we think an upside snap in T-bond market or TLT is an ETF, very popular, long-term government debt. They could have a good rally. Now, it's not going to be anything like gold. It's going to be short-term, and it's going to be a counter trend, but I think it could be noticeable. And I think that would be indicative of, again, assets moving out of high-priced, vulnerable sector, stock market, and into something that asset managers feel relatively safe in. And I think right now, T-bonds would be one of those areas. Interesting. Um, Okay. And and again, again, I'm just going to back up to make sure
0: I'm gathering this correctly. Banks look super strong in January. Then you mentioned the mid March ambush. This is the signature Silicon Valley that was a trigger point. These banks failing, bank runs lead into a a bit of systemic bank collapses. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if you look at uh, some of the big five or six banks, you know, the two big fails, uh, they're below the 2022 lows. Right. Yeah. Nobody's talking about that. You know, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and some of the others that aren't below the 2022 lows, most of them aren't, look technically vulnerable to do so. Now, that's when the Fed gets really concerned. You know, when they can't blame it on, oh, it was bad management at this little regional bank, you know, oh, that's a good excuse, not a problem. But when you get one of the the, the big five, more of them sinking below the 2022 price lows, uh, then the excuses run out. And you know, suddenly we're we at a different level of of concern.
0: So then the same as we can look back on that mid-March bank crash in hindsight and say, you know, they were holding long duration assets and had short-term cash calls. And you know, they believed what you started this conversation with as uh, saying that money will continue to be cheap. Turns out it, it wasn't, and, and that triggered their collapse would you be able to point to any vulnerabilities or cracks in healthcare? Or is it kind of like...
1: I, it's a broad sector, technical definition only. I don't know anything about healthcare. Okay. You know, in terms of the, the individual companies, we yeah. analyze them. I mean, we can run technical or momentum analysis of major healthcare stocks. So no, no doubt we're going to ultimately identify some of the major names within the healthcare that are break, likely to break faster and maybe lead this downside. But it looks like an inevitable break to me. In other words, when the technical setup on momentum in such a way, when you look at the momentum chart and you see this repeated floor, Uh but you don't see it on a price chart. So you look at the price chart and say, oh, nothing looks vulnerable. But when you look at momentum and you see a a highly vulnerable looking structure, like a price chart structure, that people like a multiply used floor, and you're pushing at it again. Yes. You get nervous. And usually momentum will lead price. And uh, that's what we saw with banks in late January. We saw this structure pending. They looked like, oh, gosh, I don't care how that price chart looks. They're, they're going to break down. And sure enough, uh, they did. And when they did, they went flush. Uh, and, you know, then, of course, came the headlines after the fact. Uh, yeah. And that's the way it is with most markets.
0: Fascinating. Okay. So that's that gives me an interesting place to look. Um, not that I would necessarily take any action. I don't invest in healthcare stocks, broad equities markets necessarily, but... But, um, okay. Okay. Um, Michael, I want to push people to your material because, no. uh, it's absolutely worth consuming where viewers of this video no.
1: podcast, where can they find it's, more of you? Uh, Oliver MSA for momentum, structural analysis, OliverMSA.com. MSA.com. You go there and you can see uh, who we are, me and my, my son and my daughter-in-law, we basically run the company's family run business doing it for. 31 years now. Uh, usually, uh, initially, for the first 15 or so years, we only had institutional clients, uh, some major funds, won't, won't give you their names. And then we uh, opened to retail subscribers in 2016, uh, 2015, that is. And uh, if you go to the site, uh, ask for sample reports, especially the weekend report we just put out uh, is quite it's quite a large report, but it covers a lot of the subjects we've been just been talking about. But includes the charts. So ask for that one. Go to go to my picture, and underneath it, you'll see an email from me. Uh, send me an email, and I'll send you that sample report. No conditions attached, uh, and it'll it'll pretty much explain to you how we look at markets, what we're seeing right now, and these interrelationships that, that I've been talking about. Okay, so all head to over all MSA. Morning. Oliver MSA, Oliver
0: find Michael Oliver's picture request the weekend sample report. That's oh. a good place to start, right. To get a taste right. of what you produce. Um, look, I want to thank you for your time. This has been, uh, I feel like a long time coming because you've been on my radar a while and it's a pleasure you. having you on the show, Michael. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Jay. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor, follow or subscribe to this podcast.